0: this is continuum drag a weekly podcast for visiting television sci-fi fantasy and everything in between this week star cops episodes one and two
1: there's a rumor the russians have already executed that girl the one who serviced Henrausen's backpack. Yeah. Of course they're not too ready to admit it now. Mm. You ruined their publicity. The Americans aren't exactly overjoyed with you either. Well it seems
0: reasonable. Hard to tell them apart anyway.
1: You don't believe that?
0: Why not? Same men, same means, same, same victims. What's the difference?
1: The head of an international police force ought to be able to see the difference.
0: Yes, he should, shouldn't he? Maybe they've chosen the wrong man for the job. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast run by fools, cretins, and rogues. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Our podcast is controlled by those people? Yeah. Who are we? I mean, there's three options. So there's some crossover. <laughs> I'm a Cretan, I think. <laughs> so you're telling me I have to be the fool and the rogue? No, no, you're the rogue. You're always a rogue. Uh, so we're both fools. You're <laughs> like, one-way roads, not for me. I'll go whatever direction I want. Uh, I mean, there's too many one-way roads in this city. You can't keep track of them all. <laughs> so this week, we are starting a new series, Star Cops. I'm assuming this is brand new material for you as well. I was thinking about this last night. I think this season,
1: specifically, I don't think I've heard of any of the shows we've watched. We've gone really into the weeds of obscure things no one's ever heard of. Like, uh, did you ever hear of it before?
0: No, of course not. I I think the longer we do this and the more, like, we do it, we have to research those shows. And those shows bring up other shows. And we're just, like... 17 degrees down a rabbit hole and <laughs> yeah. you're just like we're lost we're never going to come out of this
1: well i mean we're going to get into this but this is literally a 1980s series that was canceled after 9 episodes that probably only aired in great britain in the late 80s
0: like it's so obscure i got to say though um, when we're i pulled this one up i'm like all right watch this star cops thing next whatever whatever it is i don't know what it is i 100% expected more muppets <laughs> why Just the name Star Cops to me is just like a wacky romp in space, like Space Rangers.
1: We'll get into it, but I have to say, the theme song for this show would make more sense if it was
0: Muppets. (laughs) All right. Well, this aired on BBC Two between July 6th and August 31st, 1987. Whoa, that's a really short run out. That was not even a month. Was that a month? Yeah, that was enough enough time to get... That's two months. Enough time to get nine episodes out. And uh, here's what was happening in the world while this was on the television. Uh, first of all, Jordan, in gamer news, <laughs> my favorite, yeah, yeah, gamer news. July 12th, the first Metal Gear game is released. Ooh, which one's that? They shoot stuff. Uh, that's one of the. Uh, it's 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 a stealth shooter. Nice, nice. How many have they made since then? God, I mean, a lot could be probably. a dozen. Wow. <laughs> It's one of the few series that is run by a single, like, creative head Hmm. who has built a, like, very convoluted, insane mythology around, like, these, like, international assassins that is just, like, everyone is, it's beyond insanity at this point. All right. Well, and people didn't know what was to become in 1987. No, they didn't. I believe he was given it as an assignment. He didn't know that was going to be the rest of his life. (laughs) Uh, July 27th, Jordan, big day for the world. Rick Ashley releases Never Gonna Give You Up and starts a meme for the ages. Yeah, it's funny. It's
1: uh, it's one of those few things where a big hit and then some time goes off, and it's a hit for much different reasons once again. It's true. And also, I should say, if that song was the theme song to this show, I think also I would think it's a better theme song for this show.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to get into this theme song with you. Uh, July 31st. This one, this one's uh, very close to home for me. Uh, July 31st was Black Friday in Edmonton, my hometown. Oh, what happened to Black Friday? A bunch of people were were killed or something? Uh, Yes, it was hit by an F4 tornado and killed 27 people and like wiped out part of the city. (laughs) I didn't realize Edmonton was
1: in a uh, tornado path zone thing.
0: I mean, it's the prairie, so I think you're you're susceptible to uh, wind changes, particularly being that close to the mountains. But I think you see them in there in Saskatchewan, any of mm. those prairie provinces. I remember it too. I was very little.
1: You saw your uncle get, like, sucked away and then spun around and shot off into the air? Spun
0: around. I remember we were at home because my, both my parents were working and we had some babysitter. And she must have been, like, maybe 17, I'm sure. She was terrified. Oh, yeah. And we were just standing at the window watching like what looked like the apocalypse out right. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys were okay? No, we were fine. We we avoided the worst of it, though it did come very close to our house when eventually we moved into a place that was hit by the tornado. Hmm. How about that? Tornadoes, you guys, they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. August 28th, John Houston, famed director, passes away. Mhm, yeah. John Houston, father of Angelica Houston. Oh, well, that's true. And the next day, August 29th, actor Lee Marvin dies. Oh no, Lee Marvin, a favorite of mine. I felt like that would be someone who was up your alley. I mean, they're both great. I would have thought they made a movie together, but I could find no evidence of it. I don't
1: think they ever did because John Huston sort of was slowing down by the time Lee Marvin would have been really at his, the peak of his career.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Or is it? I'm not sure. (laughs) It's interesting to someone. All right, enough of history. Let's talk about Star Cops. Yeah. Here is the IMDb summary for episode one An Instinct for Murder. Nathan Spring is cajoled into applying for the new post of commanding the International Space Police. On his first trip out into space, he meets David Thoreau, who is suspicious about a spat of spacesuit failures. And that was courtesy of Gaz <laughs> <laughs> Hack. Gaz Hack? Gaz Hack. Is no is is
1: hack H A I'm gonna guess it's H A K. Nope. H A C K? That's correct. Gaz hack. Um and let me just the one phrase he used was a spat of uh it was the the term he used. Yeah he has a little spat. There's a little spat of him. <laughs> well, it's funny, uh, that's a pretty decent synopsis, so well done gackhead or whatever his name is. And uh the one I read has this huge paragraph synopsis and I don't think I don't know what the show is, but none of the characters are the epi- people that are in this episode. of the <laughs> I read.
0: So you read some for a different version of Star Cops, a remake yeah. that happened in Scandinavia.
1: Well, no, no. The main two characters are there, but there's all these other characters. I'm like, I don't see any of these people. <laughs> anyway.
0: Well, Jordan, you've been teasing it. This show starts off with what you, I guess, are disliking as the theme song. And I love it? was just like, you know what? Sign me up for the show. As soon as, it, as soon as it started playing and that that intro of like satellite shots of Earth with spacesuits started, I was just like, all right, let's go. It's interesting. It starts playing out almost like
1: a uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, Pink Floyd-esque sort of music video. That's what it reminded me of. But I don't know if you noticed who, who the band was that's playing the theme. It's, it's actually, I think it's a, a solo Justin Hayward song, but he's from the band Moody Blues. I don't know if you know Moody Blues, but... Um... I'm aware of Moody Blues. Anyways, they were a band for a long time. I haven't quite decided if I if it's the song I hate (laughs) because I don't necessarily think it's a bad song. It's of its time. I don't think it works for the tone of this show, which is I think is a larger conversation we'll have. But I think there's a large disconnect between the feeling you get watching the opening and the actual show that they're trying to make.
0: I think if you're not going to go to our Instagram or Twitter to see the opening uh, listener, uh, just imagine the uh, disconnect between the theme song to Enterprise and that show. actually that's a good example it's very
1: similar it's like this vocalist singing these sort of synthy kind of background music and it's got a somewhat kind of uplifting feel but then you get into the show and it is it's just a show that is sort of as humorless as possible and i think what they're going for is a kind of uh, gritty noir sort of uh feel i don't know if they quite accomplish it but it just for me it doesn't jive at all
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree uh, that it's a very weird song that, like, is not resonant with the actual show. But the second it started playing, I was, like, pot-committed to the show. (laughs) But we should say, in the first episode and the second episode, they do something slightly
1: different with the theme. Because it's the same theme, but in this first episode, you mentioned it, there's a lot of shots of, like, nature. And then they kind of intersplice them with space. And you're like, oh, there's some sort of connection here. And then, as the song finishes, it goes right into a title sequence over footage of the episode you're watching it was a really odd stylistic choice
0: yeah they really let that theme song
1: play into the beginning of the episode and we're like huh yeah it's like because i thought i was like oh is this just what the opening is gonna be it's
0: like no it's a unique opening
1: for every episode
0: (laughs) at any rate this starts with two intercut murders happening uh probably simultaneously but uh we're seeing a man who goes for a swim in a filthy looking pond and a very tiny bathing suit it very t- yeah, that is true. Very tiny bathing suit, uh, and he is promptly drowned by scuba divers. Mm-hmm. Well, up in space, around a space station, a man in a spacesuit is like doing a doing a spacewalk, and then uh, two more men in spacesuits appear, grab him, and then uh, release all the O2 from his spacesuit and push him off into space. Yeah, and I wasn't sure if there was actually supposed
1: to be a real parallel of this, or if it was just like a visual thing of, like, two people are dying. I, I wasn't sure if they were supposed to be telling us, like, oh, these are connected, because it wasn't... At least it wasn't clear to me.
0: No, I mean, I think it's just... It's just set up two murders, and it's, I guess, the tease of, like, what do these have in common, if anything? Yeah, yeah. One's on Earth, one's in space. Uh, I, I guess it is to show you, it's just, like, the two settings this show will take place on. Um, but essentially, on Earth, Chief Superintendent Nathan Spring is uh, looking into this drowning. Although I got to say, as chief superintendent, he's a pretty decent job because he just telecommutes to the police station from his home. Yeah, that was something they don't really mention, or maybe you caught it and I didn't, but they seem
1: to be able to go from Earth up to the space station real easy. Like he goes back and forth like it's commuting to work.
0: That's true, but uh, right now he doesn't even have to go to space. He just—he's not. His work is like probably in the same city as him because he's just an Earth policeman. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he's not even like going to the office for that. He's just like calling in and being like, "Hey, I'm at home. Just I uh, didn't feel like coming in today." And his—we're gonna see his apartment a lot through this, and it's,
1: I guess, supposed to be kind of modern. Like there's a big sort of TV type screen on the one wall, and there's a prominent staircase that's kind of featured to show his upstairs and downstairs. It's sort of like a very open concept place which i assume was not a thing that people had at and you know the late 80s but also everything's red and green it sort of looks like a weird christmas house doesn't it
0: it is very cheery it is it is like it feels like it should be in a children's show more than this show based mm-hmm. on the color scheme
1: yeah but in the, the show it's like you can see some budgetary restraints because like it's clearly a set it looks like a a play
0: absolutely and i mean i think that's part of the reason they don't have him go to the police station because this episode will be all about how he becomes a star cop so why build an entire set for the police station when he can just telecommute from this apartment we built for him and do we see his little um box thing in this scene right off the bat or is that later no i think that comes up throughout the show Do you want to talk about about box yeah and he calls it box right Yes, he calls it Box. It's essentially just an Alexa. It's like an AI personal assistant.
1: And it's probably like, what do you say? Like maybe six to eight inches. It's just like a little black box with, I think there's kind of lights on the front to show when it's talking. And did you notice that it has the same voice as he does?
0: I didn't notice that. It's the same
1: actor. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same actor. So it's weird because he's asking it stuff I mean, it's a little bit robotic, but it's the same voice coming back to him. That's very funny. I'm assuming in their world, you have it personalized, is what the idea is. That it, I don't know why you'd want it to sound like you, but
0: yeah. Well, it's funny. The box sort of comes up throughout these episodes, but it's never like key to a plot. But it is key to his sort of character development because yeah. when I saw it, I'm like, hey, they they predicted an Alexa because he's just using it to like book restaurant reservations or like to add things to his calendar, like you would use your Alexa or your like Google Home in your own place of uh work hmm. or uh, living but in this show they start talking about how his father used to be a computer salesman and when his father died he gave him this very very expensive ai assistant like nobody has them it's weird that he has one basically so there's some sort of like tease going on around him having this like very expensive complicated ai assistant which is very funnily everyone has now but yeah, and he, they uh, they
1: use it in the show as sort of um, a way to build his character and introduce elements of his character to the viewer. So because he sort of like almost gives soliloquies to this thing so he can give the viewer what he's thinking at all times. And that's sort of the plot device they use, they use it for.
0: And I will say for this character, because they, they tease this box and they tease that his dad used to sell computers because they're sort of establishing him as a bit of like... Like all the cops you watch on these shows, they're sort of anti-technology.
1: Yeah, I don't it's a weird thing that we've seen all the time. Someone decided that your lead cop has to hate technology. It's just a thing.
0: He at least has been of the of the cops who hate technology. He's the like least passionate about it. Like he clearly doesn't always trust an AI's decision, but at least he like will use technology.
1: But you know why? It's because he's not going to have a robot partner. If he was going to have a robot partner, he would have to hate robots.
0: That's true. That's true. He's not getting a robot partner this time. Yeah. At any rate, Nathan is essentially suspicious about this drowning that happened that I guess has come to his precinct, though uh, the police want to let it go because they work with a – everything's basically run by AI or probability machines in the future. So the probability machine at the police station says, this is most likely an accident, close the case, accidental drowning, but because Nathan has an instinct for murder – that's more
1: <laughs> yeah and there's a weird thing so what you're gonna uh, get now basically at this point of the episode, is you really understand what this show is going to be and it is a for all intents and purposes a detective type show that is set in space this is uh what, what i maybe call like light sci-fi there's not a lot of um they're very gently world building and the technology is not the the point of the show it's to have a detective in a odd sort of situation and this being the future in space i think it's 2027 right is that what we said i believe so yes but the weird thing for me is a show that really is about the investigation it doesn't seem like he's investigating a lot there's a lot of him like showing up to rooms be like hmm i'm thinking about something but you don't actually see him going out and like finding clues
0: well i will get into it but i think in these first two episodes which is i think a question we'll have to ask ourselves as the show moves on is yeah i think it's basically a sherlock holmes style show in a near future where uh space travel is accessible if Mm -hmm. not like it's not star wars or star trek it's more like there are satellites in space there's a small mars colony we're like taking baby steps into space and uh he's a sherlock holmes in that world however in these first two episodes you know i can forgive a pilot like pilots have to set up a lot of stuff so he is only tangentially related to both crimes in this episode, like he'll he'll solve yeah. them both more or less, but he's got other things to deal with, and we'll get into the next episode as well. But like that episode as well gives him a tragedy. There's still a, a thing to investigate, but like the tragedy over overshadows yes. the actual investigation. So we'll see if maybe as they get out of these first two episodes, it becomes a little more like detective worky and less like. Personality building or world building, but these two for
1: sure. That's how I kind of felt. I was hoping that there was going to be a little bit more focus on him going through and finding clues and putting those together and solving a crime. But you're right. It's weirdly, it's like the A plot and the B plot. Like they're connected, but it's like you have to learn about him and, oh yeah, by the way, there's a murder.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, that's the thing is like we've got both these murders to go through, but Nathan himself, like he's going to go see a superior officer and ask for permission to follow up on his hunch that the drowning is a murder. And his boss quite clearly has had enough of his shenanigans of questioning the probability machine because his boss has basically been like, hey, listen, remember a few months ago when I told you to apply to the Star Cops to be their new commanding officer? Listen, you've been shortlisted. I really want you to ignore this drowning and really focus on getting the fuck out of my department.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of pressure from him to essentially take a promotion. I guess it's a promotion, right? Or is it like a... A sideways, a more lateral position move. I'm not sure. I think it's
0: it's a it's a promotion that he'll get. He'll be a commanding officer, I think. um, But it will also remove him from the uh, I guess London police force he works for, who do not want him there anymore.
1: Oh, and let me mention real quick. uh, I did uh, you know as I've slowly started reading about this show. Apparently, originally they wanted a very young guy to be playing this cop, and the idea was being that he rose the ranks really quick, but has really ticked people off along the way. Mm-hmm. and then this particular actor read it for the role and they really liked him so they changed the character to be a little bit older and we should mention he's probably like what do you think he is about 50?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's certainly oh, he he's a bit more of a, a grizzled cop in yeah. this for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um let's talk a little bit about the Star Cops as we get going here because I guess they're 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 part of an international space force and they're made up of about 20 volunteer part-timers who I guess just handle investigations on the space stations and the moon base that are in orbit around earth just to like look into accidents or like incidents that happen but they're they're not really like regular employees they're just kind of like people who have another job who volunteer to do some part-time work doing a little bit of investigation for the space force
1: was that what it was if they're sort of like part-time cop because I, I wasn't quite sure it's not that clear because when you first meet uh one of our main characters is going to be a uh, thoreau i was like Is he an engineer or
0: is he an astronaut or is he a cop? What is he? Well, he seems to work in traffic control as his day job. But what he's done is they like, it's like when you get a job and they're like, hey, I know this is your job description, but how would you like to volunteer on this committee to do some extra work on the side? Mm, Okay. And they're called the Star Cops. Only because um, some reporter wrote up some like really mocking article about the uh, uh, like police enforcement up in space and essentially in it like nicknamed the Star Cops. And apparently that nickname really stuck. And now they just everyone, including themselves, just refer themselves as Star Cops.
1: I thought about that. So the title of the show really should have been Star Cops in quotes.
0: In quotes, yeah are a snarky little emoji next to it yeah but yes this is kind of the other character we're going to follow you mentioned david thoreau he's um he's an american who's working with the european space organization yeah i think he's traffic control because he spends all his time with his co-worker in traffic control when he's not investigating and he is assigned to the uh, charles de Gaulle space station I don't know how you felt about this. Like, the, the effects are low budget, but I thought they did a good job. And, like, everything looks like, like, the space station looks like the International Space Station. They kind of come up in shuttles that look like the NASA shuttles. Like, everything is just, like, our time, but just, like, slightly advanced.
1: I thought the floating effects and stuff were, were pretty, at least inside the ship, were pretty good. I mean, when you start seeing the the people floating out in space, it you can see the budgetary restraints. But I thought the look up in the space station was much better than back on earth and every time he was back on earth i'm like guys this just looks terrible go back to the space station
0: <laughs> it is funny on the space station because they're these space stations don't have artificial gravity like that's what you'd expect a show like this to do they they they're like no there's no artificial gravity so all these actors are either doing wire work or faking being in a zero g environment i i remarkably i think for the most part they do a surprisingly good job
1: I agree. There's a lot of like uh, slowly moving over counters and stuff as they're pretending to be floating. I thought they did all did a pretty good job of that.
0: There's one There's one scene in the second episode where uh, Nathan has to walk across like a room in space and that actor is just giving it his all to make it look like he's floating. But he's like not even on wires. <laughs> he's just moving his arms and legs around weirdly as he like walks through the room. And I was just like, good for you. That must have taken so much concentration to be reading your lines and also fake spacewalk. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. but it's, it's pretty good, as you said
0: yeah at any rate uh thoreau he is on the space station right now he's investigating an apparent spacesuit failure um someone it was that one we saw at the beginning the man who was like killed in space but for them it appears just to be a regular failure and uh, as they're talking about it the guy who was killed was quote uh he quote wasn't bad for an italian
1: (laughs) i missed that line i was more distracted because there's I don't know, multiple, probably five, six scenes where they they just keep giving you the same information. They're like, yeah, there's like a a threshold of failure for these things. And it seems fine to us. They just keep mentioning it over and over, obviously, to let the viewer know that it's probably not, you know, it wasn't a murder. But it's just they just keep saying it over and over. And I'm like, why are we all accepting that like three percent of suits just kill people?
0: Well, that's I mean, this is kind of the mirror, I guess, to what's happening on Earth is like he's suspicious that there seems to have been a lot of spacesuit failures lately but like everyone around him is just like the computer says this falls well within the three percent error margin for spacesuits like it just seems that you're just you're you're reading into it because you're human but the computer tells us yeah. this is natural and so this is sort of his instinct for murder if you will this is where the two characters are going to cross over later because they both feel like something is off about these accidental deaths mm-hmm. back on earth Nathan has de- chosen to ignore his superior officer and assigns a detective to like look into that drowning um, because he's going to be too busy. This is kind of the funny part. It's like he never gets a chance to actually investigate the drowning himself. He's just like, you at work, you look yeah. into it. I've got to go prepare for an interview I have to be a space cop. And then also a bunch of montages of me doing space training.
1: Yeah, there's that. And then his other plot is he keeps having like dinner with his girlfriend. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is his other plot. It's like. Are we going to start a family soon? And he's just like, ooh, when do I tell her I'm going to space? Well, the funny thing is that that is the thing. Like, she's
1: probably – I think she's quite a bit younger than her him. She's probably about 40, and he's about 50. And she's like, "Oh, are we going to start a family and stuff? And I was like, you guys are too old. Like, that conversation should have been had years ago.
0: It, the decision's
1: already been made for you.
0: I didn't mind. I kind of like kind of them as a couple. They've been together for, like, 20 years. And it's just, like, this weird couple who were focused on their career, and now they're debating. It's like, ah, do we want to, like – get out of our careers and focus on something else
1: but i like that it's that there's this weird plot point that will come back in episode two which is he keeps taking her to this restaurant that she doesn't like but he doesn't seem to ever pay attention to that
0: he just keeps asking the box he's like box book me a restaurant he's like that same chinese place and he's like i don't care (laughs) at any rate so this is kind of what's happening with him uh he's got a detective investigating the murder and he's going through these interviews where like basically an international committee of people is interviewing for the commanding job And uh, we'll also get a little bit of a montage where he rides like a centrifuge in that classic astronaut training thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they do a thing that I I, I don't know how often they'll do it, but like they clearly want him to do underwater. Like, you know, you see the like actual training videos of astronauts in suits in a big water tank, like practicing in zero G with scuba divers around them. And all they've done is they've licensed that footage from NASA and then put a voiceover over top of it as if Nathan's talking while he's doing it.
1: I love the effect, though, is this uh, the voiceover ADR. He couldn't be more casual, but like you see stuff like, you know, he's in this centrifugal sort of spinning or whatever. And he's like, anyways, so I guess we'll go to dinner later.
0: <laughs> it's very funny. It's I mean, I get it. It's the low budget. And they're doing their best to, like, bring yeah. realism to a show with no money. But it is they could have at least added an effect to the audio. So it made it sound like he was in those positions. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At any rate, the interview goes well, and this is a little nebulous to me, but for whatever reason, I guess after you're shortlisted, after your second interview, they are like, now you do space training. You're not hired yet, but you're going to do space training. Yeah. And we're going to send you up to the Charles de Gaulle space station for a little space tour but you're still not quite hired yet
1: my assumption was it's part of like a physical like it's like there's a series of things you have to do and like yes you nailed the interview now you gotta do the physical now you gotta go actually do some stuff in the station it's Check a out space it's, it's like getting a job at google it's very very hard
0: right 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 so he goes up there he he gets a tour of uh the station from thoreau who's who would be i guess his second in command and thoreau as he's giving a tour around he mentions this spat Of suit failures that has been going on (laughs) yeah Yeah. and um how he feels like despite the probability the computer is saying he feels like something's off and like you know this is where nathan starts developing a respect for thoreau and um while they're up there there also happens to be mostly off screen they they discuss it but there's a very important and famous uk politician slash zillionaire also visiting the station oh is that right Yeah, well, this is what happens here is they're like, can you believe, uh, I believe his name is Lars is uh, visiting the station. And they're like, Lars is going to go take his first solo spacewalk this afternoon. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, when he does off screen, he is once again uh, murdered by these two rogue spacemen who like. Also, drain his oxygen, push him into space, and make it look like an accident.
1: What I like though is how slow the murders happen because they're trying to do it as realistic as possible outside space. So you see, like, one person slowly floating, and then two people come also very slowly. It's the least uh, exciting, like, chase scene you could
0: have. It's commitment, it's commitment to their material. Yeah. <laughs> so, this popular rich politician has been killed theoretically by accident, but it's basically, it basically causes a whole like. Cluster to go off in the like political landscape of this world because the suits that are used by the Space Force are all serviced by the Soviet Union, which is still Mm -hmm. going well in 2027. And with that, there's still a lot of tension. I guess there's still a Cold War in play. And with this with this being their responsibility, essentially, it's causing all this disagreement in the UK Parliament about whether they should cancel the trade and aid pacts they have between their space program, and the Soviet space program, and essentially just causing like huge political turmoil over the death of this politician. And Nathan is just like, well, I'm glad I don't have this job because this seems like it's going to be a disaster. And then for whatever reason, there's immediately a newscast to announce the death of this man. And the newscast wraps up by saying, the investigation will be looked into by Nathan Spring, who we're told is going to, quote, kick ass.
1: (laughs) It's like, sure. well, that's how the news is in 2027, Luke.
0: They'll just throw around the word kick ass into the news. Yeah. But it's funny. I guess the idea is his police chief is really trying to get him off the floor. So he's just like volunteers, Nathan, to look into the death of the politician. So he basically enlists Thoreau and they start like looking into what happened and like, you know, discussing how Thoreau is part of Thoreau's suspicions around the spacesuits are that like the Soviets at some point recently made a whole bunch of improvements to how they do maintenance on the suits. And it hasn't actually affected any of the rates of failure like that has been constant it's always at three percent. So he's he's like, I don't understand how the Russians could be fixing things, but still never getting better and when they kind of look into it a little more they're like it's it's weird because these numbers should be based on these fixes be closer to a 0% like a near zero failure rate but they've stayed since they've always stayed at this 2 or 3% failure rate nathan starts to suspect that maybe someone is killing these people to keep the failure rate at 2% in an effort to steal the maintenance contract away from the russians so it's a real corporate
1: espionage it's funny because it's such a complicated reason for murder that this show, I, f- I thought it was odd how little time they gave to that. Yeah. You would think because of the complication of the murder, they would have slowly started dropping clues and information throughout the episode. But in this episode, and I think in the next one, I can't remember, they sort of just have like a scene where they're like, this is what happened. You're like,
0: okay, well, what? why did we spend all this time with him having dinner? I mean, that's the thing is this pilot is definitely focused more on Nathan not wanting to go to space. Yeah setting up the world of how the space station works and how corporations work and how the uh, geopolitical ecosystem works and like then having dinner with his uh, girlfriend to establish that relationship so they spend so much time on that that they like the core plot or the core mystery is like kind of just like doled out in sudden exposition bursts yeah 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 it's very funny too because uh in the meantime while they're trying to solve this case uh we we get a newscast about how the russians have uh in attempt to save face have uh selected one of their maintenance people to execute as an apology
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like okay i mean the real the real takeaway from this is that this is the late 80s when the show's made and the soviets are still the big bad guy they're going to be clearly the bad
0: guy that's that's sort of pulling the strings off camera it's funny i would argue the opposite of that actually you think so i think the soviets because in this case we're going to find out that it was a corporate espionage the soviets did nothing wrong and that they executed this person for no reason in an attempt to just keep the contract. They just wanted to show, save face because the Russians had nothing to do with it. I
1: thought, oh, see, I got confused. I thought they were the ones manipulating, but they. I guess they. So they were manipulating the numbers so they could keep the contract. But who killed the
0: guy? No, no. They. The Russians had nothing to do with it. The Russians were tr- actually trying to fix the spacesuits to get them to near zero, but the probability remained at two percent because a UK. Uh, corporation who wanted the maintenance contract had been, like, continuing to kill people and make it look like maintenance failure to keep it at 2% to show that the Russians couldn't get better. See,
1: I I didn't even get that. And maybe that's partially me, but also partially because it was, like, doled out in one scene.
0: (laughs) Well, I I, I think they do a bit more of a recap at the end but that like the so the russians are certainly there's a cold war going on and they they tease it in this episode and the next one but this show has a very anti-american bend
1: i would agree with that yeah they
0: really imply that uh russian america don't get along but that america is really the problem in the geopolitical sphere of the show
1: i would argue they sort of pick at everyone they pick a little bit at australia they pick at the states they pick at uh the Soviets. I think the only ones they aren't picking that well that much at are are the British.
0: Oh uh, well, we'll keep going. We'll find out. I think you might be right, though. I think it might be a very they like to make political commentary for sure. Um. Anyway, back to the space station. Nathan. Nathan has a plan. He's now that they suspect that somebody's actually killing these people for potentially a maintenance contract grab. Nathan has thoreau like put out a big. Uh, I believe they call it a triple A personnel database check. <laughs> Right, where essentially they're just going to like cross reference every person who works in a space station against connections to space technology companies and or right wing extremist groups in case this is a political assassination. Mm -hmm. But they're only doing this basically because they want it to be very public. They're looking into this and he's essentially hoping to smoke out the culprit by like launching like a very big public investigation. And to really sweeten the deal to bring the culprit out, Nathan suddenly announces he's going to do his first solo spacewalk, which is just like, if I'm the murderer, I uh, I should know this is clearly bait.
1: Yeah, but Nathan's just that good. He knows exactly which will, will entice them.
0: It's true. And it works because as soon as he goes out on a spacewalk, we see the two mystery spacemen like start flowing toward him. And then we cut back inside and Thoreau's hanging out with his co-worker who we see him with all episode. He's like another traffic control operator. And they're just having a little chit-chat, dropping movie quotes like they like to do. They're real good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it something dawns on Thoreau that if Nathan's right, and this is all just a series of murders, then there's no way you could just float around space and show up and kill people. Like somebody would pick it up on some sort of radar, or some sort of tracking devices, which means that you would need someone on the inside working traffic control, and it suddenly occurs to him, oh, it's my good friend. This coworker is uh, in on this. And that coworker pulls out a quote reduced muzzle velocity gun so he can kill people in space. And says, "Well, you figured me out. Time to die."
1: Yeah, time to die. But I'm gonna take you to another place to shoot you. So we got to go float around for a little while to get to the uh, to the area where it's good to kill you. Well, he
0: can't kill. It. He has to make it look like an accident so the computers don't mm-hmm. notice. So he's gonna like he's like I'm gonna put you in a spacesuit. That has no oxygen, I'm going to push you into space, and then I'm just going to say, you tried to go rescue Nathan, whose suit is also broken, and it's just like a whole bunch of accidents happens in a row. Yeah. But unfortunately for him, when they get into the airlock, uh, he doesn't notice the spacesuit floating above his head, and it's Nathan, and he casually slaps him in the side of the face. Yeah, and that part was shot
1: really oddly, because are we supposed to because he he mentions right that like he was
0: able to disarm the the murderer out in space yes well that's the thing is last we saw nathan he's about to get like attacked by these two murderers next time we see him he's now back in the airlock doing an awkwardly staged thing where he's supposed to like punch this guy and knock him unconscious but it looks like he just like lightly taps the side of his head and it doesn't matter and then throws like oh how did you get inside he's like oh i grabbed the medical laser and murdered those two people (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was just such a, it's it was such an odd thing this pilot kept doing, which was everything interesting was kind of off camera. But I mean, I I get why it would have been a, a difficult thing to have this big space fight stuff. But it is funny that he's like he goes out, you're like, oh no, he's gonna get murdered. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you wouldn't believe the stuff that happened back there. But I
0: I won. Yeah, I won. Uh, and so they basically solved the case. The the executives at Pancontel are charged with conspiracy around all these murders. Uh, Nathan is offered the job commanding uh, the Star Cops. And um, it's very funny because there's a moment where he goes back to Earth. He's just like, I don't want it. I don't want your job. I'm, 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 I'm resigning it. And his boss is just like, oh, yeah? Well, there's a detective on your force who just happened to solve a drowning murder. Turns out it was the wife who did it. She hired assassins by selling his watches. So I, I promoted him to your job, and you're currently unemployed. So are you sure you don't want to be a space cop?
1: And that was, that was how fast they, they solved the murder of the lake. You're like, oh, okay, great. Glad, glad we heard about that
0: nathan was right all along but it cost him his job yeah yeah and
1: so now we're set up for the most part and he's gonna be the head star cop and he's he's uh he's up in space he's going to space but not really he's he's still living at home mostly
0: i mean it is very it is as you mentioned it is a very quick trip between space and earth you can go back and forth in like a few hours
1: he can keep that nice red and green staircase
0: here is the IMDb summary for episode two conversations with the dead
1: why were you visiting her grave at this time of night? I thought maybe you could see the stars. I don't know. It seemed an appropriate way to say goodbye. It's a bit sentimental for my taste. Well, I'm old-fashioned at heart. Still, that's got to change. Last time I looked up at the stars, something nasty dropped in my eye. I think it was batshit
0: nathan's girlfriend lee jones is murdered by an unknown attacker who breaks into his home grief-stricken he returns to earth leaving david to investigate a tragic accident out in space that has crippled a freighter on its way to mars dooming its crew to certain death mm-hmm. and that was a courtesy gan of gas hack
1: yeah gas Hack's got it we open on uh, similar to what we saw sort of in the training sequence, you get a lot of footage of um, the ship sort of flying and voiceover over top to kind of explain what's happening. And I think it's they something it looks like there's some sort of machine failure on the ship. So it's like floating out into its own orbit now. Yeah, Am
0: I, right? I mean, it's it's actually some nice miniature work they have on here. Like it's just a ship out in space. It's I guess thrusters fire when they're not supposed to and basically shoot them way, way off course. To the point that like they're never going to be able to correct. They're basically going to fly into deep space and die. And it's this is, like you said, weird because all we ever see is the miniature work of the ship in space. And then we hear the radio traffic between yeah. the people on the ship calling back to the moon base command center. But we never see the people on the ship. All you ever see is exterior shots and like the audio from inside of the ship. So it, it's a bit awkward for sure. But I, it is, I'm sure, budget
1: related. But the point is... These people have basically lost power and uh, maybe even life support as they're just the inertia of floating is just taking them further and further.
0: away. Yeah, that's it, what you need to it's know. Essentially, like they're dead. Like there's nothing yeah. they can do to correct this glitch through their thrusters, off course. So these two people are just like, well, that's it. Like it's it's kind of that. I mean, you know, it's it's a thing in science fiction where it's just like in deep space. There's very little you can do if something goes slightly wrong. Even if it doesn't kill you, you could like you're still it's still a death sentence is basically the idea.
1: Right. And Luke, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the point where we hear over the the sort of news that there's this idea that the US won't allow inspections on their stations and people are protesting that because they think the US is doing something sneaky by essentially having their bases be military bases, which is thus breaking international treaties.
0: Yeah. Is that right? It's pretty close to it. Essentially the It's just one unmanned station they've recently launched. The U.S. has launched one unmanned station. They're refusing international inspection of it to prove it's not a military ship, which is breaking, basically, international treaties to, like, put something up there that's military. And because they're refusing to let anyone get on it and just say, trust us, it's not military. It's perfectly fine. Basically, there's, like, a lot of tension around the fact that America is, like, ignoring the treaties, basically throwing its weight around and, like, clearly breaking laws that it doesn't want to follow.
1: But when we come to our main characters, that's sort of like setting things up. But when we come to our main characters, it's uh, uh, Nathan waking up in his like stand up bed and like Thoreau's helping him out. But didn't this remind you of uh, uh, Comeback Mrs. Noah?
0: (laughs) I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, he's in like he's in like a sleeping bag that's attached to a wall so he doesn't float away when he's sleeping and he just can't get the Velcro. undone.
1: Yeah. So basically everyone, I don't know why they'd sleep that way, I guess, because in a weird similar to Mrs. Noah that the space station is rotating maybe, but he's, he's been strapped down sideways with all this kind of Velcro. I think it's even maybe on his head. Like it's all over to really keep you in place.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that is similar to what you do when you sleep in zero Gs. You just basically get into a thing that holds you in place. So you don't float around as you sleep.
1: Oh, and I'm going to mention one thing that uh, makes an appearance in this show and a couple times is Nathan wears this uh, like inspector's hat and it's really stupid looking and it made me laugh every time he wore it. It was just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like this little tiny blue hat to put on his big head.
0: It's the, it's the space cop uniform, that little tiny blue yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. Let's hop down to Earth for a quick second because we skimmed over her last episode, but Nathan has this girlfriend, Lee Jones, and she's going to die right off the top of this episode. Yeah. Which was crazy because they spent so much time introducing her that I was convinced this was a regular character. Well, I mean, in, in some
1: ways, it's it was an interesting decision, because you did, for all intents and purposes, have her introduced as a main recurring character, and then now she's gone. So I guess the, you know, you're as if you're supposed to feel bad that she's being killed. I mean, we didn't develop her much other than... You know, then she wanted a family and she didn't like Chinese food. But regardless, she gets murdered. No,
0: I don't think you're going to feel much for her. But you certainly are surprised when she brought dies. Yeah, the start of the yeah. But actually,
1: and I, and I thought this scene, which we're going to talk about, I thought this scene of her getting murdered was pretty well choreographed.
0: Yeah, it's not too bad. Like, she's essentially dropped by Nathan's apartment. She's taking care of it while he's gone. And they're, you know, things are a bit rocky because they had been she'd turned down a promotion they were going to start a family and now he's gone off to be a space cop and you know a little bit ro- makes their relationship a little more rocky but she's there and she gets a priority message on an encrypted basically from an encrypted service saying hey uh, you got a message here And she's like that's weird i don't get messages here but uh please please give me that message uh, computer which is very funny because the uh, the company that's provides these encrypted messages it takes about 30 seconds for it to figure out how un- unencrypt its own message <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure and the message basically says stay where you are your life is in danger and it's apparently from nathan it's like it's signed off by nathan but because the encryption's taken so long she's basically wandered off and never sees the message yeah which was weird because because i think right right as the message
1: comes in it's basically like get out of here or whatever there's uh something happening Just and then all stay put yeah all the lights go out yeah and she hears they call it a turbo lift what do they call it it's like an it's the lift
0: it's an elevator up to his apartment
1: yeah an elevator opens and it seems like there's now someone in the apartment
0: and in the dark she is very quickly uh murdered and uh we are sort of left to be like "Uh uh-oh uh what is going on here why did nathan know that and we didn't see that in the previous scenes but what i liked about this and i thought
1: was it was a little bit undercut because i think the show could use a a little bit of a darker look to it and it, it Everything kind of looks a little inherently a little lame, but I thought this was, again, pretty well done and and um, with the darkness of the lights going out and then this guy like really creepily whispering to her.
0: Right, right, right. I mean it was it wasn't a bad scene. Like I was it was surprised for sure off the start of the second episode to to have this murder happen. Um, mm-hmm. and what kind of happens with the rest of the episode is Thoreau's gonna stay up in space and essentially He's going to be put in charge of investigating what happened to this freighter. Why did this freighter malfunction, basically? And he's also going to be put in charge because Nathan is... Uh, what we see this first sequel what we see is Nathan has uh, a weak stomach for uh, being in Zero-G. So he uh, mm-hmm. orders Nathan to go set up an office on the moon base where there's gravity for him. Well, you're right. So Thoreau's basically going to be
1: investigating this ship that is now floating, essentially a, just a floating coffin. And, and then Nathan is going to be investigating unofficially investigating the murder of his girlfriend yeah
0: he's gonna head back and spend most of his time on earth and it's very funny because he comes back and he's not a cop anymore so he's been assigned there's been two cops assigned to his case uh a real classic uh good cop slash uh bad cop in a bow tie yeah and and a good mustache great mustache um these are inspector corman is the good cop and inspector Devis is the bad cop <laughs> And I like Divas right off
1: the bat. I was Team Davis.
0: Davis is great. The actor they've hired to play him is just like a big brash man who even even Nathan's just like, your reputation is that you are bad at your job. And he's just like, Maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, we've worked with that guy before. <laughs> what of it? <sighs> What's a big deal? I don't clean up after myself. <laughs> and essentially they're just like, apparently someone sent a message to Lee faking Nathan's sort of sign-in identification on some sort of like phone service to keep her in the apartment so she could be murdered. And no one is sure why yet, or if perhaps it's maybe quote, a psycho on the loose. Yeah, but what they basically realize is someone
1: has faked the message from Nathan. What I like is they're like, they knew she would stay and look at the screen. And I was like, but that's not what happened. She wasn't sitting there standing by the screen. She just stayed in the apartment. But anyways, the point is, it worked, and they're trying to figure out who would have known enough about him and known how to pretend to be him and blah, 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 and then kill him.
0: Exactly. And and that night, Nathan's spending his time in the apartment mourning the loss of his girlfriend, and he, re- he receives another encrypted message telling him that he is next. Uh, the lights mm-hmm. go out, the lift opens, but no one's there. And it's just, to, I guess, set up like— it's not really a jump scare, but like he pulls out his gun, his cool future gun, and then his phone rings. And when he answers it, the caller's just like, I know who killed your wife or your girlfriend. You've got to meet me in the park in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Really, really like amping up the tension for what's going to happen with Nathan here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nathan heads, heads out to that park and, uh, oh man, how did you like this weirdo in the park? <laughs> it's weird. So yeah, he's, he's sort of like, like a steep
1: punk roller skater. He's almost like a character kind of from, like, a low-budget version of Mad Max.
0: Yeah, he he looked to me like an extra out of Mad Max, but on rollerblades.
1: At first, I really liked it because I thought, oh, this is just what 2027 is like. Like, these weird hoodlums are just these, like, mutant-type people.
0: That is it. And they, I think he calls them yeah. the urban Apaches. They're just, like, weird hoodlums that go out at night on rollerblades. And I believe Nathan, when he sees them, he's just like, get out of here, you freak! <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah yeah it's just like just like a, a nuisance but the guy kind of comes by and sort of like taunts him in some sort of way he's wearing he's like fully masked yeah and then he goes away and then comes back and then essentially starts attacking him
0: yeah he basically this guy uh very brave too because nathan literally has a gun in his hand this man uh basically beats him to the nathan to the ground kicking him with rollerblades which to be fair would suck <laughs> yeah as soon as you get a wheel to the eye you know there's trouble although I will say this is maybe a week since the show the actual fight choreography it looks like the hits look so weak <laughs> this show is
1: staged very much like almost like a sitcom in the way like it's a sort of three camera setup and so stuff like this just doesn't evoke much but you just go all right it we know he's getting beaten up yeah because he looks he does look bad after he's he's been hit
0: absolutely he's bleeding a lot and what i really like too is like i'm like oh is this the guy who killed his wife and it's just like no this truly is some random weirdo who skated by because the real murderer steps out and is just like hey <laughs> stop murdering that guy he's mine to murder and he murders the mad max man <laughs>
1: I know. And that's why I thought it was going to be a thing where it was like a double reveal. They he's like, it's actually me
0: under here. But it's like, no, no, that's just what you have to deal with in the park. Yeah. If you go to the park at night, you're getting beat up by a man roller skates. So the killer basically starts taunting Nathan, just like, "Uh, I told you to meet me here because I know who killed your girlfriend. It was me all along. I did it. <laughs>
1: no, in terms of his plan, what was the plan there? Because let's say the roller skate guy never showed up. He wanted Nathan to come. And he was just going to tell him that same bit of information.
0: It's a mystery. I don't know. Or maybe I don't know. I'm not sure what the plan was either, because, you know, he saves Nathan by killing the roller the roller skater and then kind of admits to everything. And Nathan's like pulls out his gun and is like, why did you do it? And at that point, uh, the good cop, Inspector Corman, uh, appears. I guess she's been following Nathan around. And she opens fire on this, like, murderer. and She's a terrible shot. She's a terrible shot. She misses. Nathan also starts shooting. He misses. And the killer gets away. Though those guns, pretty great. But again, I'll make
1: the point. If this killer had just met him in the park and Nathan showed up with a gun, he'd be like, you're under arrest and the guy'd be like oh that was a terrible plan
0: That was a bad plan i mean maybe he had another plan we didn't see and it was just interrupted by uh like behind
1: the bush there's this like real weird uh mechanical apparatus he was going to be pulling out stuff he just never got the chance
0: he's like i spent all this time there's a i (laughs) dug a hole i put a leaf over (laughs) top of it yeah so unfortunately for nathan the investigation is kind of grinding to a halt he gets a visit the next day from this uh bad cop uh, inspector Devis, and Devis is just like hey listen I know you're saying that the killer was in the park and that he killed this roller skater, but like the computer's probability says that uh, these Mad Max rollerbladers die all the time. So uh, we're not going to look into it if there's any connection. And essentially your investigation is at a standstill. And well, no, it's, it's more than that. He's basically like,
1: you're not on this case. Stop investigating. We're the investigators. I know that I have now admitted I'm a bad investigator, but you're not on this.
0: Right, right. It, it essentially t- basically gives tells Nathan to get packing um you can't be involved and uh we jump back to the moon for a second where uh thoreau has set up the new moon office for the star cops so they don't have to worry about zero
1: g every episode is this the rube that sort of um it's very much like a, like a NASA...
0: Mission control. Yeah, mission yeah. control,
1: yeah. It's all sort of like the desks are sort of one behind each other, slightly elevated in a like a, a semicircle.
0: They don't really explain it, but the sense I got from this is obviously there's a lot of satellites orbiting Earth that people work on. But there's also a moon base that seems to handle basically all the major traffic control in and out. Like for this particular episode, they're investigating this, you know, crew who's essentially been killed on this freighter by this accident. And... The moon based crew all knows the people on the ship. Uh, they know the ship's headed to Mars. They're supposed to, that that was their journey because there's a small Mars colony that's been set up recently and they're supposed to head that direction. And the crew is like pretty upset that their friends out there are going to die. And one of them is like, he, he makes some sort of intimation that like someone's responsible for it. But when Thoreau finally gets the information out of him, what it is is he's just like, oh, well, Mike and Laura who are on the space freighter, they're in a relationship. And you're not supposed to travel uh, travel in it. You're not supposed to be crewed together if you're in a romantic relationship. But, you know, everyone really liked them. I think at some point they say people who have romances on moon base are like celebrities. So, like, they just were given special treatment and, you know, people ignored the rules to assign them together so they could have a little fling together in space. And he's basically saying they were distracted by their love and that's right. what has killed them, basically.
1: I mean, it's not a great argument. That they were so in love, they got distracted and thus were
0: bad at their job. I mean, it's true. I, I think to this guy's point, he's just like, protocol was broken and they were given special treatment and I don't like people getting special treatment. <laughs> right, right. But it seems unlikely to be the cause of this weird accident that misfired the ship off into space. The next person to come in with a theory is the uh, French man who plays the Starbase coordinator, who's also a biologist- specializing in experimental cryogenics. So he's got a lot of yeah. jobs, this guy.
1: And have really established that there's a lot of different countries that are involved in this. It's a very worldwide organization.
0: Yeah, you got to watch all their uniforms for the flags on them.
1: Exactly, because it's hard to hear sometimes the accents. Did we mention, though, in the first episode, the guy who ended up being bad? He was Australian, the guy that was his buddy. Oh, right. And he was Australian. I
0: did not even realize that, actually. Yeah. But yes, this, this uh, Starbase coordinator comes in, and he's just like, hey, listen, throw." I've got an idea. They're going to die out there. Like, we've established that. It's going to happen. I don't know how to, f- how to bring them back right away. But that freighter just happens to be carrying all of my cryogenics equipment to Mars. Because at some point, I'm planning to move to Mars. So I sent it with them. Yeah. And I have an idea where if they can use the remainder of basically the life support on the ship, basically the oxygen inside of the ship, if they're able to vent that, they could potentially right the ship's course enough that someone could go pick up the ship in, like, eight years' time. But to keep them alive, they could try out my experimental cryogenics, and hopefully that would keep them alive for the eight years we need to get out to save them. So basically he's just like, hey, I've got a great idea on how we might be able to save these people's lives. Maybe they won't have to die in space.
1: This guy's great at looking at silver linings. He's like, look, there's a tragedy here. However, cryogenics, am I right?
0: I've got a solution, you guys. It's going to be great. <laughs> And there's a uh, throw sort of able to piece this all together because, as we hear from some of these newscasts, this is something they do throughout the show to world bills they intersperse newscasts between mm-hmm. scenes. So you get like a little bit of the global goings on. And one of the things that we hear in a newscast is this Mars colony that's been set up. It's very fledgling, it's actually in some trouble. Like their supplies are running low, and there's some concern it may not survive just because of low supplies. And Thoreau's able to kind of piece together a this man's suggestion to use his cryogenics, and the fact that he sent a ship to Mars full of his cryogenic equipment without any supplies. That maybe something's off with this man. Maybe maybe this isn't as uh, such a coincidence, a happy coincidence as it appears to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks more. Sketchy than it does look fortuitous. You know, when you look at it, you're like, "Wait, none of that good stuff's there." But you just happen to have all your supplies
0: on this weird ship. It's like, nah, something's something's hinky. That's uh, true. And when he looks into the uh, the French biologist slash base coordinator, he's like, "I happen to notice here that you were denied your human experimentation license. Hmm, that seems odd." I should point out again, much
1: like the first episode. This information and uh, the way they start wrapping up this case happens very fast. Like, you basically can watch—I think these episodes are about 50 minutes long, something like that, right? And the first 45, 47 minutes is just, like—not spinning the wheels is not, not the right term, I mean, they're but, moving
0: forward some things, but the fact is, like, they seed you with too few clues to get to this yes. conclusion— so, when they announce the conclusion, you're
1: right. All the seating happens right at the end,
0: yeah. So when they announce the conclusion, big piece of the puzzle that you, as an audience could have used to solve it, though, quite honestly, I think as soon as the Frenchman who happens to be a cryogenics person who happens to have his stuff on the ship is probably pretty suspicious. but they they like right. they they load it all up very suddenly. And essentially, Thoreau is just like, accuses this coordinator of sabotaging the ship to force them to test his experiments because he couldn't get his license and you know for the most part we assume he's correct but unfortunately for the star cops there's nothing they can do about it for the next eight years because they have to wait to see if the crew dies so they can charge him with murder (laughs) or if they don't die the crew could just file a civil suit against him?
1: I mean, it's funny. It's a, one of those things where it almost seems like they wanted to make it as realistic as possible, but it doesn't really give you a satisfying ending for a viewer.
0: Well, it does leave, like, I, I like the concept, but it does leave the question of just like, surely there's some law against sabotaging a spaceship.
1: <laughs> it's like, no, no, that was fine. It's it's the result of that. That's the problem.
0: Or maybe it's just they can't see the evidence until they get that spaceship back in eight years. But it, is, it leaves with this thing they're like, You better let us know of your travels for the next eight years. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. He's basically like, he'll be fine. Jordan, if I told you I needed you to check in on something in eight years for me, would you remember? Probably not. (laughs) Write yourself a little note. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Will Thoreau has been solving this case up in uh, space. Uh, Nathan has returned to the moon because he's sort of run out of options in the investigation to his dead girlfriend on Earth. And uh, kind of once he's back in the office with Thoreau inspecting his new uh, moon office, they get a call from somebody up on uh, the Charles de Gaulle base. Apparently, there's an unauthorized person hanging out in the star- old Starkov office up there looking for them. So they mm-hmm. they hop in a shuttle, head off to the space station, and they happen to meet old good cop Inspector Corman hanging out there. She's been looking for Nathan because she's basically been able to seduce the ID of the, uh, the identity of this killer. Mm-hmm. And basically, she's just like, he's a former, and I. this is what they call them. And I, I think this is a reference to people who go to work in space, but I'm not sure. They. She says she, he's a former, quote, high frontier.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. High frontier. Yeah.
0: But he was busted by the Star Cops on a charge that later turned out to be false, but he still lost his job. So now he's looking for revenge. So he killed Lee and he wants to kill Nathan. And I was just like, ugh and we'll discover this uh cop isn't on the up and up this uh this this good yeah. cop but i'm just like nathan just got this job i have a hard time imagining a man targeting him like he had nothing to do with this man's job do, do you think
1: he just doesn't like the leader of star cops and whoever if this plan was really built for whoever his predecessor was and they're like yeah sure nathan too whatever
0: i mean that's certainly what
1: inspector Co-
0: uh, costigan is that her name Something like that.
1: I mean, I don't know what her name is. Corbin, Inspector Corbin. This is Corman. essentially what
0: she's posi- positing. Positing is just like he's so mad at Star Cops, he wants to kill the boss of Star Cops, even though you weren't the boss of Star Cops when all of this happened. Yeah, and also your girlfriend. Like he's really mad.
1: Yeah. Well, that that was the part that's a little hard to believe too. It's like she also killed your girlfriend because of this
0: plot that you weren't involved in. It's like okay. And it's at that moment they get a they get a call from traffic control and the Charles de Gods being like, hey, oh by the way, there's also an unauthorized shuttle launch happening. And uh, the inspector's like, oh, well, that makes sense because the killer clearly followed you here to find you to kill you. But now that I'm here, he jumped in a shuttle to run away. We should go on a space shuttle trip and chase him down.
1: And they do. So Thoreau, Nathan, and Corman all get in the space shuttle to chase it, chase the other one.
0: This, you know, it's a very slow-paced space shuttle chase, but it's kind of what you'd expect. And what we find out as they're, like, chasing the spaceship down the able to be like oh i can tell by their course they're headed to that unmanned american space station all the newscasts have been talking about being a military base but won't allow inspections on and nathan's like aha i've pieced the clues together and solved this mystery based on that information
1: yeah and you'll probably have to uh, uh, untie this so the guy is a
0: british spy and she's also a british spy yes essentially what this is is Due to the international outcry we'd heard about earlier, how the Americans won't let anyone inspect their probable military base, these two British spies have come up with a plan in which they will murder Nathan's girlfriend and set up this whole chase toward the space station because the space or the star cops, they're a uh, non-political organization. They're basically an international organization and they don't have to like play by the rules. Like They can land on the U.S. space station to arrest this person and there's nothing the u.s can do about it it's part of the treaties like basically like it's completely legal for the star cops to go there to solve a crime but because these are both spies they'll also both get access to this unmanned space station to see what the americans are doing on it so it's basically this like really convoluted plan that really unfortunately kills lee in order for like these british spies which is where i think also the british like this clearly also dragging the british down into this like the muck of this global conspiracies but
1: well see see i don't know if i entirely agree with this it felt more to me uh like uh, that the ambiguity of like a john Le Carre novel where the british are sometimes doing things that is a little bit unsavory but it's all really for the good of everyone else and they regardless of what they do are still the moral uh, still have the higher moral moral high ground. That's how I kind of felt about it. I
0: mean, that's I think that could be there. I, I think they also mentioned, though, it's like, oh, and part of our plan is also we're gonna pin it all on the Russians. And I'm like, well, that's rude. <laughs> well, again, but it's like, yeah, we're gonna
1: pin it on the Russians because we know the Russians are bad anyway. So yeah. it's like we're morally justified at it.
0: I'm not sure they're as morally justified, but i I could see, like it definitely is in that world. like this this is trying to live in a shades of gray for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. That's kind of the world they're trying to set up. Um and now that the truth is out, uh, Corman readily admits to all of it. She's like, yep, I'll, you got it. You figured it all out. Yeah, yeah. This part was baffling to me, though, because she's like, at any rate, though, I outrank you, Nathan, so uh, I, I am ordering you to go to that space station anyway. And Nathan's just like, yep, I, I, you do outrank me, so I have to do it. I'm just like, but you're an internet... Like, I thought that was the point, is that, like, you're not related to the British anymore as the space thing. Doesn't really matter, though.
1: And Thoreau is really ticked off about it. He doesn't
0: like any of it, but... Nathan only agrees to like continue the mission to the space station because I guess he like us was very suspicious of this story about a uh, killer who wanted to kill his girlfriend because he got fired from his job because apparently he is called ahead. He's called the U.S. government. He said, hey, heads up, a uh, psychopath killer is headed toward your unmanned space station. You might want to shoot it out of the sky. And uh, as the space shuttle with the killer gets close to the space station, it is exploded. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. And I kind of like this. It was a little ham-handed, but, like, there's this moment after, like, basically this man is ex- – the the spy is killed, so he can't get on the space station. And the other sp- – and the corman spy, she's, like, shocked to see that Nathan would call ahead and, like, get this man killed. And Nathan kind of gives a quick soliloquy about how uh, – How mad he is at her for forcing him to kill a man. He's only ever done that five times and he doesn't care for it.
1: Oh, what I should say, we didn't really mention it throughout this episode. There's many scenes that seem to be designed really to showcase his acting. You know, sort of like a scene where he's, he's very upset about the death or he's very against this injustice is a lot of him being able to sort of uh chew scenery
0: Thoreau is there and i like the actor playing Thoreau. he's an interesting cat like i think he's interesting i'd like to see more of him but it really does feel like a one-hander they're just like yeah focus in on nathan at all times let him just chew the scenery and he's not Mm -hmm. bad at it so i don't hate it but it's uh it's certainly the throw it's the nathan show for sure
1: and we get one more big scene with him because he gets to go to the cemetery now
0: yes he returns to earth to visit lee's grave I guess he spent. I guess because it's outside in a nice area, he spent a lot of money on it. Nathan seems to have a lot of money. It seems like his dad was a very mm-hmm. successful computer salesman.
1: And uh, while he's at the uh, the cemetery, sort of like as characters do, just stand and look over the grave. Old uh, mustache detective shows up and he's like, "Yeah, by the way, sorry. You know I suck. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, he, yeah." I guess
0: he's in, he's invited Inspector Davis out. I guess to have a debrief with him. And yeah, Davis is fine. Like this is where his character was like kind of really won you over if you weren't there yet but he's just like listen i am a bad detective and and they did this to manipulate me so they could like do all this spy stuff but he's like he promises nathan he's going to basically still charge corman he's going to go after her spy masters he's going to do everything he can to bring justice to lee and nathan's just like if you do that you'll lose your job and he's just like you know what who cares can you hire me as a star cop
1: yeah, and then Nathan never really says he's going to, but there's the implication that yes, he is going to hire him because I think they just like kind of walk off and then like talk about the stars. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that he is now a character on the show as a star cop, but he never says like, "Yes, you're hired. Here's here's the paperwork."
0: I mean, I personally am hoping Davis is now a star cop. I seriously uh, will be sad if he's not.
1: I'm almost positive he is.
0: <laughs> you, uh, you miss the best part of though. As they're wandering away, they have like a you know. Nathan's rhapsodizing about looking at the stars and uh I I believe one of the last lines perhaps even the last line of the show is Davis is just like eh I haven't looked up at the stars in a while last time I did a bat shot in my eye (laughs) that's right and i think i think the
1: only part of that line was that he may be the comic relief going forward that's what i took from it because it was like why would you ever tell anyone that and why why do we as a viewer need to know after this very somber scene of him looking over his uh this the grave of his dead loved one
0: i mean i will be very sad if he's not a regular i was i was really won over by divas in this episode <laughs>
1: yeah i think he might be our star star character
0: All right. I mean, I think we've covered all of it, as far as I have anyway. That's the kind of the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. I think we've we've touched base. There's so much going on. Like, there's so much world building. And honestly, it's a world I'm interested in. I think you're right in that, like, it also wants to be a detective show, like a Sherlock Holmesy detective show. And it's having trouble finding that balance because it's spending so much time. And it kind of has to, to, like, build the world because it's so complicated. And it's not even to say they, like, I only have a vague grasp of the world. They're really ceding it to you and they're doing their best to fill it in. But at the cost of the mystery basically. Like it never yeah. the mystery is never like satisfyingly handled. So I'm hoping they fix that along the way. But for now, like I'm interested in the world they're building. Like I think it's an interesting world for me.
1: So well what do you what do you want to give the first episode then?
0: An instinct for murder? Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's it's Got a problems that uh, pilots have. Like, it's too bad those mysteries don't solve in a more satisfying way, and they're kind of, like, jumbled at the end. But uh, I was interested. I was hooked on the kind of concept, and I, I wanted to see where it was going. But I- I'm going to give it a 7.
1: I knew you were going to give it higher than me. I'm going to go probably lower than you think I, sh- I should. Uh, and it's not that it's so bad, but I just think they didn't execute anything terribly well, especially in this first episode. You got the sense of what they wanted to do, but I- there's push and pull of... What I want the show to be and what I think the intentions of the show were just don't match what's on the screen. So I'm only giving it a five out of 10.
0: Whoa, so low. I'm very surprised. Uh, what about Conversations with the Dead then?
1: I'm going to go up one point to six, six out of 10. I think it was a better episode. It still has some of the same problems that I don't know if the show is going to fix by the end, but uh, I think it was a little bit less convoluted and a little bit. Uh, I think they uh, there was a little bit less of the kind of the world building you were you were mentioning in terms of just just Nathan. So I don't know. I, I thought the mystery was a little bit better. So I'm going to give it a six out of ten.
0: Interesting. I'm going to go six point five because I think it's exactly the same as the opening episode, which is that like I like everything that's cool about it, but again, the mist like the core idea of solving a mystery is just like as rapidly. They're handled. a little tagged on. So I I just feel like I'm like if if you can't. If you can't figure out how to make the mystery work a bit better, like I'm willing to forgive that in a pilot because I'm like, I get it. You got to introduce so many things. Mm. It just felt like, why not save the murder of Lee for a later episode for more character development? Why don't you just give us like a tight mystery episode right away? Yeah. But,
1: but you got to give him credit for, for killing that character right away.
0: Oh, I mean, I I, I think it was a good move for sure. So I mean, it's still 6.5. It just, I, I wish it had like got its sea legs under it a bit more. It did, mm. It felt like it just like had the same issues that the first episode had. Yeah. Jordan, that wraps it up for these two episodes at the beginning of Star Cops, which mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I'm into this show. I, I'm interested to see what comes next. I, I think it's I think it's a fun show so far.
1: I'm hopeful that it's going to f- feel like, as you mentioned, find its legs a little bit because it's still sort of unsure of itself. And I'm hoping that it's going to solidify into something in the next few episodes.
0: Yeah, I mean, either walk away from being a detective show and just become like a cop show or focus in on something else if you're not going to if you can't spend your time solving mystery satisfying but i think that, mm-hmm. there's the potential for a show here anyway yeah if you have any thoughts on star cops you can email us at continue drag at gmail.com. and on instagram and twitter we'll have some clips from the show you'll definitely get to see the opening to the show the the <laughs> music and be like what is this yeah <laughs> that that is definitely the feeling you'll have and then you know probably some space stuff people floating around zero g acting mm-hmm everything you could want
1: there should just be uh, like scene after scene of like nathan walk around talking about stuff that doesn't matter to the plot of the
0: episode <laughs> it's about character development Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that wraps it up for this episode but thank you for joining us listener and jordan i'll see you next week see you then
1: continuum drag is recorded in toronto ontario theme music by james rex seedler produced by jordan Dullock and luke black special thanks to aaron Yunes.